History happened everywhere. A random place, a random time, and a topic pulled from the hat. The challenge? Find the fascinating, uncover the unexpected, and share the stories. You're listening to... History happened everywhere. My name is Ryan Weir and I'm here in the HHE studio with the pepper to my pumba. It's Porky Pig himself. It's Mr. Peter Goddard. Oi, less of the porky son. Oi, 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 oi. <laughs> I love a pig. I'm pro pig, so I'm happy to be compared. Now, Peter, last week, the Dursleater randomly selected a time, place and topic just for you. And that was a pig in a poke in North Korea just the other day, which I think is perhaps the craziest one it's ever given us, any of us. It was very exciting, I have to say. I was worried it could go really badly or really well. And uh, I think it went well. We'll find out. I, it's been on my mind constantly. <laughs> I have literally no idea what you're going to cover this time. So why don't you tell us what are we going to talk about on today's episode? Well, Ryan, I'm taking you to the Far East to a land mountainous, mysterious and militarised. A land where your haircut can get you in a whole heap of trouble and where your trousers could land you in hot water. We're going to discover the woman who got more than she bargained for in a YouTube prank show, discover the film that cost Sony more dearly than anyone could have predicted, and meet the young dictator who never was. Or, to put these in North Korean government approved terms, we're going to where meets the and went on to we're going to North Korea. I am extremely excited to hear about all the things you're about to tell me, but why don't you start with the most basic thing? What's it called? It's called North Korea, Ryan. Or, actually, it's called the Democratic People's Republic of Korea. So you may hear it known as the DPRK. That North Korea is reasonably well accepted, and I will be calling it North Korea through this episode. If you were to call it Depurk, I'd be happy. <laughs> I'll try and remember to do that, but uh, make no promises. Uh, we are in East Asia, so do you know where Japan is? Yeah. Way over. If you go to the bottom of Japan, basically, and turn left slash west at the mainland, there's a peninsula sticking out, and that is the Korean Peninsula. Okay. So North Korea is, perhaps unsurprisingly, the northern half of the Korean <laughs> Peninsula. They've got China and Russia to the north, and South Korea to the south. That's two big neighbours. Big and very socialist neighbours. So <laughs> yeah. you will find out that that's unsurprisingly had quite an impact on their history emerging. Size-wise, 120,000 square kilometres, 46,000 square miles. So you need about four and a half North Koreas to make up a France. Okay, yeah, that's a decent size. Relatively, relatively decent. Uh, it's a population of about 26 million people. So that's about a third of France's population. Do we know that for fact? Well, one of the things we will discover is I'm not sure we know anything for a fact when it comes to North Korea. Okay. It's not a place that divulges things very comfortably into the world stage. So that's best guess. That is a best guess, yes. I don't think the census results of North Korea were released to the free and open press. Yeah. North Korea is an independent socialist state. So what does that mean? It means they hold elections. And the first elections were won by a man named Kim Il-sung. But later when he died, they were won by a man called Kim Jong-il, who just happened to be the son of Kim <laughs> Il-sung. Right. But then he died, and then the democratic wheels turned again, and they found a new top dog, Kim Jong-un, who, and this is going to blow your mind, Ryan, is only the son of Kim Jong-il. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, though. Like, we're 
laughing about that, but you look at the bushes in the States. But they had intervening uh, alternatives. This yes, has that's been a true. continuous chain. Now, there are critics who suggest it's not as democratic as it claims to be. <laughs> <laughs> the national anthem, Eguka, is officially translated as patriotic song. Well, that makes sense. It does, doesn't it? But I'm slightly uncertain of this because it's, I don't know if it's a name as such, because it's more of a designation. It means patriotic song, which isn't much of a name, obviously. But the South Korean national anthem is also known as Eguka. It's spelt slightly differently, but it's the same name, patriotic song, and it's their national anthem. So that nearly caused me to make quite a big error for this podcast. Oh, yeah, let's not do that. (laughs) It was composed in 1945 as a patriotic song to celebrate independence from Japanese occupation. And then it became the state anthem in 1947. Okay. So is there like lyrics in there that are like, screw you, Japan? Uh, not as such, but uh, it's it's fairly anthem <laughs> Okay. All right. Here we go. That's great. It's got a, it's got a, a strong really open, good start. Cinematic. I feel proud to be North Korean when I hear this. Yeah, that's rousing. Strong symbol action. <laughs> Bring it home, North Korea. Yeah, it's like Gone with the Wind or something. <laughs> it is great. It's got a grandeur to it, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. So interestingly, in the 1980s, Kim Jong-il actually tried to reduce the importance of the national anthem, which sounds like a really strange thing to do. But what he actually wanted to do was promote the, his favourite tune, which was the Song of General Kim Il-sung. Uh, was it one he had written, or...? Uh, no, it's just one celebrating how brilliant this one of these great leaders were. Uh, and in fact, there's two songs, the Song of General Kim Il-sung and the Song of General Kim Jong-il, which are both commonly performed at major events instead of this, actually. Ah. But that's domestically, so if you see North Korea internationally, you'll, you'll hear this one. So I'm getting the impression that if you're a North Korean, your heart is with your leader, not necessarily with your country. I think the North Korean government would say that they are the same thing. Wow. All right. That was good. That was a good one, wasn't it? That was very good. Now, flag-wise, I'm a big fan of North Korea's flag. It's kind of cool. It's got blue horizontal bars at the top and the bottom and then a little white stripe. Hmm. And then the central panel is red with a red star in a white circle in it, just kind of to the left-hand side of the flag. It's a funky-looking flag. It, it looks it looks cool. I think it would make a good superhero outfit. Yeah, it looks like a cape or something. Yeah. Dare I say it looks a little American? <laughs> <laughs> you can dare. And then we'll have a knock on the door in about an hour. I mean, red, white, blue with the stars and stripes. It does, I mean, does, feel, it does exude a little Americanness, but I don't think they'd love to hear us say that. Okay, here's a good one. You're going to like this. There are only 28 state-approved haircuts in North Korea. 28 state-approved haircuts. Okay. Broadly speaking, I can tell you that the rules say your hair needs to be between one and five centimetres in length. Okay. They recommend a haircut every 15 days. Well, that's not bad. It's keeping you smart, isn't it? Yeah, well, women get to choose from one of 14 slightly longer styles. (laughs) Okay. Your spiky hair, that's banned, my friend. Right. That's because you're clearly a rebel. But this might be confusing to you, Ryan, but I've got some good news for you because there is a five-part television series from North Korea entitled Let's Trim Our Hair in Accordance with the Socialist Lifestyle. Yeah, let's do that. <laughs> Probably not coming to Netflix soon, but that apparently is a real it thing. It should, though. 
I'd watch. Five-part series, mind you. I think they <laughs> yeah. should that out somewhat. Uh, but that television show, Let's Trim Our Hair in Accordance with the Socialist Lifestyle, they have a, a method of naming things that is, is curiously literal like that because, like, mm. Patriotic Song was the name of the anthem. The flag is actually called Blue and Red Coloured Flag of the Republic. <laughs> <laughs> I love this. This is really good. These guys do what they say on the tin, for sure. Is the highway called Place Where You Go from A to B? <laughs> Probably. But uh, that hair thing does seem like a little amusing quirk but it does have some significant effects practically speaking so i was listening to various podcasts about north korea one of them was a story of a guy who defected to south korea yeah and he came back for his mother and one of the problems he had was whilst he would have been in south korea he bleached his hair which nobody in north korea is allowed to do so he was basically hiding and he couldn't go anywhere because everyone the minute you look at him you know something's awry there because of his hair well why would you go back if you dyed your hair that makes no sense well he i don't think he planned it well it would be my assumption because i think that's the sort of thing you could just take care of with a bit of dye before you head off isn't it but when your life is on the line yeah (laughs) Yeah. or just put out a hat of some i suspect he probably availed himself of a hat of some kind yeah um, Wear but- cloth that covers head. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> In socialist lifestyle. <laughs> now, normally at this point, Ryan, I pull a nice product of North Korea out for us to enjoy. I'm sitting here waiting for yeah. a North Korean beer and some North Korean snacks. Yeah, yeah. You're going to be waiting for a while, my friend. North Korea is something of a bad boy nation. Uh, most countries apply sanctions, quite strict ones, to North okay. Korea, and they will not trade with North Korea. Plus, just to add to that, in January 2020, the North Korean government shut its borders as part of COVID-19 and has not since opened them again right so basically there's closed borders strict sanctions so i thought oh this is i couldn't find anything at all but then i thought surely surely there's a nice korean beer so i was i was looking around and i thought there's got to be some beer right and i found one i found a beer called taedunggong taedunggong beer is a north korean beer Okay. This comes with an interesting story as well. In the year 2000, the North Korean government decided it wanted to start brewing beer and make it part of the Korean industry, I guess. Yeah. So they just bought a whole brewery from the UK. From the UK? Yeah. So there was an entire brewery called Ushers of Trowbridge, as in Wiltshire. <laughs> right. And it had an unused factory, and North Korea just bought the whole thing for a million and a half quid. What, eBay or something? Where are you finding a brewery? Well, they, they had a broker. They had a broker who then who bro- arranged the deal, and they just shipped the whole factory <laughs> off to North Korea. First, they had to convince the authorities that they were going to make beer and not chemical weapons. Well, yeah, right. <laughs> but then in April 2002, so two years later, Taedong beer was available for sale. Did they take staff with them as I, part of the thing? Like, how do they know, know what they're doing? I think they took some German technology as well. So they, they at that time, they, okay. were, they were more open than they are I'm just now. imagining like IKEA-style instructions on how to yeah. make your first <laughs> beer. <A> massive pamphlet. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't got top tab A. There is no slot. B, this isn't working. <laughs> yeah. yeah, wow. Uh, yeah, in April in 2016, the Gang Brewery opened North Korea's first beer festival. So I guess it's doing okay. So um, I thought it'd be fun to get hold of some of this beer. Yeah, well, I'd lo- uh, where is it? I want to try some. Well, then I read about a man who in 2018 also thought it would be a good idea to buy a bottle of the North Korean beer. Yeah. Whilst he was on a trip to China where it is available. Okay. So he went home to Japan with his bottle of Korean beer. Uh, and he sold it online. He bought it for $3, I think. Yeah. Uh, and he, he sold it for $148. Wow. So in addition,
addition, though, to his decent profit, he also got arrested by the Japanese police. <laughs> Wait, what? Why were the Japanese police he, arresting him? Because he was violating the Foreign Exchange and Foreign Trade Act. These are uh, sanctions. He's a san- he's a, for one bottle of beer, effectively sanctions busting. My goodness. So could he have just drunk it himself, though? That would have been fine. Bringing it into the country for his own consumption, would that have been all right? I'm not sure. I'd, I'd have to ask a Japanese policeman. Okay. All right. So when we drink ours tonight, we should be careful not to, to, alert, not the to alert the authorities. Or record it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Something like that would be a bad idea. Well, more to the point, the clear moral of the story is I'm not paying $150 for a beer. Uh, but also more to the point, absolutely could not get any North Korean products of any kind. Wow. I tried, I tried all sorts of shenanigans, but no. So I didn't want to leave you empty glassed though, Ryan. Quite right too, because uh, I am thirsty. <laughs> so the two most popular drinks in North Korea are beer and soju. Soju is a distilled alcohol, mostly from rice, but you can make it from other things. Okay. Its alcohol content varies from about 12.9% to 53% alcohol. <laughs> that's quite the window. <laughs> yeah, that's too strong for me, I'm going to say. <laughs> but I didn't get that, Ryan. Okay. There is a predecessor drink to soju, which is also a rice wine, I guess you'd call it yeah it's called makoli and this is drunk throughout korea right it's uh it's described as milky sweet and fizzy sounds great it's a heck of a combination isn't it <laughs> sometimes it's known as farmer's drink because i guess it was popular with peasants because it's quite a lot of nutritional value as well right. as being and cheap boozy, to make. and you can make it at home and it's <laughs> yeah. easy, right? to make it you do have a mixture of steamed rice yeast and water just leave Fine. it to ferment for a few weeks in a clay pot bingo nice that also sounds like a lot of bacteria or something in there yeah i think you probably need the right balance of things in you've got to watch it carefully but uh as a traditional drink though i guess it fell out of favor i suppose for for a while but there's i've read in various places that in south korea it's making something of a comeback a bit of a hipster thing almost okay as Um, these things do right yeah yeah. older drinks sort of come back i also read and i'm not sure how reliable this is that in north korea that hasn't quite happened the same it's still a bit of a farmer's drink a bit of a bumpkin event okay a bit like scrumpy or a moonshine if you will right yeah i'm with you but the fact is in north korea they do drink it and they have done for some time the first documented mention is a book from the Goryeo dynasty, so about 1000 CE. It was called at that time Iwaju or pear blossom alcohol because that was the time of year when the tree bloomed was when they would make it. Oh, that's beautiful. Uh, but n- it, traditionally you drink it fresh and unpasteurized. Now, obviously, Ugh. no, I did not uh, do that. Uh, but they do make it that for sale in bottles that is pasteurized and drinkable. So I've got us some Macaulay. Oh, that's so exciting. Here we go. We're back. Okay, so this is South Korean, but it's the same drink. It's Makali. So it's not a specific product of North Korea, but it's to represent the kind of thing a North Korean would be drinking. Okay, it looks like a milkshake. Yep, we did promise milky. Yeah. Kuksun dang. Yeah, it smells like booze. Okay, that's good. Encouraging. It's like an ale almost. This is about, I think, 6% alcohol, something in that uh, region. So it's beerish. All right. Cheers. What do, we, what do we say for cheers? Well, we say kombe. 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 Do I like the taste? I do like the taste. It is kind of fizzy. Oh, and it's sweet. It's not like the liquid is fizzing. It's just got a fizzy taste to it, kind of. I want to say a fruity kind of taste. Like, if you told me that was a fruit juice, I'd be like, yeah, okay, I can see that. I think it's got sort of yogurt drink sensation to it. In all seriousness, I would buy this. This is safe. This is good, isn't it? Well, well done, Korea, both of you, north and south. (laughs) Together at last. I think this might be my favourite drink that we've drunk on the show. It's good, isn't it? I want to get drunk on Kook Soon Dang. Hey, 
Hey, Pete. Oh, hey, Ryan. You okay, mate? Oh, it's just I'm struggling this week a bit with the episode on North Korea. Oh, no. Anything I can do to help? <laughs> well, only if you can help me with, I don't know, how about the topic of Juche? Juche? Yes, Ryan, exactly. So thanks a lot, but... Uh... Oh, you mean the policy of Juche? You know, or self-reliance as commemorated by the Juche Tower. You know, the monument in Pyongyang, which was erected in 1982. Um, actually, yeah, that that is the one. Yeah, well, you should definitely include it. But how did you know about that? Oh, and of course, you know, you could also mention the Mansu Hill Grand Monument, the complex of 229 monuments, including the two 22-metre-tall bronze statues of Kim Il-sung and Kim Jong-il. I mean, that really would be perfect for the show. It actually really would, and you know what? That's that's actually really good, Ryan. I think I might have misjudged you, you know? That's, that's brilliant advice. Yeah, no worries, mate. All part of the service. In fact, you know what? This has been so useful. I think I'm going to come to you for suggestions when I'm researching other countries, too. Oh, well, that isn't going to work. What? Well, why not? Well, because I'm a career advisor. All right, Peter, I am sated with some delicious drink. Now, tell me history. I will tell you the history, but we've actually covered the history of Korea before, because in episode 39, you gave a very good and thorough account of the early years of South Korea, because obviously they started as one entity. So in this case, I'm going to go really quickly scampering through the kingdoms that you talked about in detail. But if someone is more interested in that stuff, go back to the South Korea episode uh, and you'll get your fill of South Korea history. So we start with early man, Neolithic, 6000 BCE, have a Bronze Age, about 2000. 2000 BCE and Iron Age about 700 BCE. Done it. That's early man out of the way. <laughs> uh, there's a kingdom called Go Chuson or early Chuson that's founded. Then it becomes the three kingdoms of Korea, which then become the later three kingdoms of Korea. There's a period called Goryeo, which sees Buddhism come along and civil service arrive. Then Mongols arrive and ruin everything for everyone in about the 13th century. Uh, in 1392, the Choson dynasty, so there's a Go Choson, early Choson and a Choson dynasty, that's established and that starts seeing interesting civilizational developments like Hangul, the Korean writing system, is invented. In what year? Uh, in 1392. So then That seems quite late for writing. Well, they had, they used Chinese writing before that, but they decided to invent a Korean writing. Oh, I see. Okay. Uh, so yeah, so if you look at really old uh, things set in early ancient Korea, you'll see they won't write in Hangul, they'll be writing in Chinese characters. Okay. Then there's a couple of centuries of general peace and goodwill. Then they are rudely interrupted by the Japanese who try and invade. Uh, but they were beaten off with the help of the Ming Dynasty Chinese. But this causes Korea to take a bit of an isolationist turn. They feel a little bit under threat. They refuse to modernise in the 19th century, whilst everyone else is kind of globalising and industrialising. That meant they weren't in great shape when the Japanese show up again in 1910. And this is where things turn not so good for Korea because Japan actually annexes Korea. And from there till 1945, Korea is a colony of Japan and Japan is not a kind occupier. Mm. They have a policy of Japanization, which basically is wiping out Koreanness. You have to speak Japanese. You have to take a Japanese name. You're not allowed to learn Korean history unless it's from an approved textbook. And guess what approved? <laughs> oh, Japanese are brilliant, says this textbook. <laughs> <Yeah>. Approved. <laughs> So not a great time to be Korean and you get long-standing beef with the Japanese in Korea and North Korea in particular. Of course, 1945, Japan is now on the losing side of the Second World War. So Korea then falls immediately into a different kind of war, the Cold War. It becomes divided into a northern area in the sphere of influence of the Soviet Union and China, I suppose, and the southern part, which is being looked after by the United States. This situation becomes solidified in 1938. The two areas become separate countries, officially divided at what's known as the 38th parallel and is a pretty lively area of tension for Cold War watchers. Then things go from cold to hot. Kim Il-sung in 1950 decides, I'm going to reunite Korea and he invades the South. There's a war that goes on for three years, but it's kind of a proxy war because China and the Soviet Union are pushing for the North and the 
United Nations, but really heavily dominated by the United States troops, fight with the South. The end result was nobody won. We still have North-South Korea. We still got a 38th parallel. And then Korea as a country, I've described it as a sliding doors country. The North part chooses to massively militarise as a cult of personality around its leaders, whilst the South decides to liberalise the economy and make catchy pop tunes and compelling Netflix dramas. Yeah. But in the North, they don't do that. They militarise. They become quite a closed and uh, controlled society, uh, mostly because of the leader's approach to uh, running a country, essentially, starting with Kim Il-sung, who ruled until 1994, who was followed by his son, Kim Jong-il, who in 1998 was proclaimed eternal president of the republic, which mm. is a little bit optimistic because he died in 2011. <laughs> so not quite as an et- eternal as advertised. Uh, and he passes the baton on to his son, Kim Jong-un, who is in place today. It's worth observing, though, in that story, that sliding doors story, it wasn't always our big success for the South and the North. It doesn't do very well. The North actually outperformed the South for decades. Some say even up into the 1970s, it was doing better than South Korea. Through agriculture? Through a mix of support from the Soviet Union and China. So they would be supporting the industrialization and things like that. Mm -hmm. They don't have a great agricultural base in North Korea. It's mountainous, it's cold, it's not a great place to grow crops. So I find it interesting. I'm trying to think of another instance in the planet where there are two cultures that are so close... A split that are so diametrically opposed to each other. I can't seem to think of many. I think you'd have to go to Berlin for this during the time of the war as well. That's to a have good that example. Split. But there's not many, right? Where you have such distinct culture clash no, right, the, on, right on a border. Exactly. I mean, they were one people and then they suddenly took these two dramatic turns. It's almost a weird experiment. Especially today where you have like such globalization and you know homogenization of culture across the planet. Yeah, it's remarkable. So then things turned really bad for North Korea in the 1990s when the Soviet Union fell, one of its major backers and major financers was gone. China picked up some of the slack, but North Korea basically lost a lot of its funding, essentially. And then that was doubly amplified because there was a flooding that caused terrible famines in the country. So in 1995, even though it was still a quite a reclusive country at that time, they actually were forced to formally request aid from the international community. Loads and loads of people died. It kind of left a scar on the nation some say that uh, if you grew up in that period the, the famine was so bad that it would it would affect your mentality wow that's terrible yeah it was it was grim it was a really grim t- time to be a north korean Mm. Uh, and today it's still a very secretive country it spends massive amounts of money on its military it has a policy called military first which gives you a rough idea of what they're spending their money on Uh, but you technically can visit North Korea you can't right now because of the shutdown after the COVID pandemic but even if you did visit North Korea as a visitor your visit would be extremely controlled you're not allowed to go wandering around on your own you'd be assigned a a handler essentially Mm. you'd find people reluctant to talk to you because they're nervous about being being in trouble basically for, for telling you anything other than the good news about how brilliant North Korea is. So the society is just incredibly controlled. Blue jeans are illegal because they're associated with America. Well, I'm in trouble. That's like (laughs) half my wardrobe. There is an internet, but it's a state-run, it's almost like a national intranet. It's of approved websites, but you can't access the internet. Most people don't have computers anyway, so the internet's not really a problem. And most of the people don't have electricity to run computers. So very few people are on the internet is the long and the short of it. Which consequently 
actually makes it a really interesting place to go and visit. <laughs> I, I, all of these restrictions make it actually a more interesting place to see. I would imagine it's a fascinating place and I kind of want to go, but yeah. it is also a scary totalitarian place. But I guess you can visit, but it would take living there for a long time and people kind of getting to know you for you to really be able to see anything real about the place. Everything yeah. is scripted and there for show rather than being uh, a nice free chat with your neighbours. Choreographed and curated, I think, would be the uh, the way I would describe that. Exactly right. What's prison like in North Korea? I can't say it's probably very nice. Uh, the good news is it's better than some of the alternatives which are on offer. They do have a habit of executing people as well. Work camps and stuff? They also have work camps. It's known as, I think I've read somewhere or heard somewhere that it was known as going to the country and it's something that people fear. It's a generational thing, isn't it? As I understood it. Yeah, you, you get designated a not-okay not person and your children get designated a not-okay person. People who are allowed to travel abroad generally are restricted to people with family okay. and that family is held in North Korea. So you, the consequences of you doing anything abroad to come back on that family. So essentially your family is kept as a hostage. Mm. So it's, uh, it's a rough place to be in terms of your behaviour. I'm going to stay here. All right, that sounds like a good idea. But that's, Ryan, is North Korea. I don't suppose you've got any um, pork-based snacks to go with this. I do not, I'm afraid. So like pork scratchings or like a meat stick sausage? <laughs> no, you're porkless. Okay, Ryan, we have to talk about just the other day. Now, just the other day is an informal expression and it means recently, basically. Um, in normal human discourse, when you and I are chatting, it probably means a few days to weeks ago. I was going to say, what does recently mean? Yeah, you wouldn't go months, you wouldn't say just the other day, meaning months or years, probably. Sometimes I do. Sometimes in conversation, I'll be like, so yeah, I was chatting with this guy the other day. Actually, it was like six months ago. <laughs> yeah, well, my personal timescale goes the other day, which is about a year, then <laughs> a while ago, which goes from a year back to the 80s, and then the 80s, which is everything else. <laughs> But uh, oh, right. I, I didn't want to do a, a podcast just about things that happened this week in yeah. North Korea with all the news that's not allowed out. Yeah. <laughs> but also Einstein tells us that time is relative. And just oh, the other day... Oh, he's thrown Einstein in. <laughs> You're in trouble. Uh, no, but just the other day in historical terms is something quite different. So just as, as you might say, it's two minutes to midnight and in the span of the Earth's life, man has only been there for a, a five minutes. Yeah. You might say just the other day in a historic scale is more than a few weeks and perhaps even years so i had to pick something right so i picked that just the other day from a historical standpoint meant things that happened in my lifetime oh okay all right sure <laughs> <laughs> so that's the time period and the topic is a pig in a poke yeah what is a pig in a poke well is this is uh it seems to originate somewhere in the 1500s but a poke is a sack Oh, really? Yes, from the French poc. Uh, in fact, you might have a small bag, a pocket. Wait! <laughs> I have several pockets. Exactly, and it's also related to a pouch. So poke is a sack, okay? Okay, yeah. So the idea of a pig in a poke was a, a merchant would sell piglets in sacks, pokes. Oh. But the catch is, you buy your pig off the rack, I guess, you take the sack home, and you open it up, and then instead of the tasty piglet that you were expecting, a cat or a chicken or something worth a lot less than a pig jumps out, and you have bought a pig in a poke. 
Oh, is that what it means? Yeah. In fact, one of the earliest references, it's in the Proverbs of Hendig, which is a book from 1275 CE, in which he advises, one man giveth thee a pig, open the pouch. Right. So if someone's going to give you a pig, have a look, make sure you're getting what they, they say you're getting. So that must have happened quite a bit then. Well, I'd funny you should say that because I looked into it and apparently this isn't quite the specific problem that I thought it was. I thought, well, <laughs> it's probably a medieval English thing, right? Right. No, Estonian, Irish, Zulu all have the expression pig in a sack. Zulu? In, yeah, Indonesian, Hungarian and Hebrew have cat in the bag, <laughs> which of course we have in English because letting the cat out of the bag yeah. is also an expression based on this same experience. I guess there's a lot of cats being flogged for pigs. I, but just the noise they make. <laughs> I know, it's, it's a very different thing, isn't it? I suppose it's been stunned or something. Imagine living in the old days. Oh, the, the Portuguese say buy a cat instead of a hare. Oh, but the same principle. Yeah, and the Maltese say to buy fish in the sea. I'm not sure who's going to buy fish. Oh, yeah, I've bought a fish. Yeah, it's in the sea. Go get it. That seems a bit dodgy to me. I think the trick about the bag seems a bit more elaborate. Right. So in essence, it's caveat emptor. It's buyer beware or don't buy anything until you've seen it. And in fact, Mike Pompeo, the US Secretary of State in 2018, said he would not buy a pig in a poke when he was negotiating denuclearization with North Korea. Nice. So That's good. It was handy, that. <laughs> that happened just the other day. So uh, just the other day, historically speaking. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, but what he meant there was, I'm not just going to take their word for it that they're going to decommission the missiles. I will make sure investigators are sent in to see it for themselves. Yeah, I like that. Do you know what? I had no idea. Picking a poke. There you go. Yeah. I thought it was about like you get stuck in a situation. I don't know what to do. I'm <laughs> picking a poke, but I got that totally wrong. So for the purposes of this episode, though, I've taken a slightly broader definition of pig in a poke than buying things literally so what i'm going to do today ryan we're going to play pig in a poke okay this is a game in which i will tell you a story about north korea and at the end of the story i'm going to hand you an envelope and you're going to open it up and find out if the story i told you was everything it seemed or if you've been sold a pig in a poke okay am i going to get a cat <laughs> you might <laughs> it's a cat i've got eight cats by the end of this game <laughs> <laughs> there may be cats <laughs> <laughs> I say, Tarquin. What is it, Cecil? You know how life as a street cat is, like, really hard? Oh, yes. It's barely awful being an urban feline. Well, you know how the humans are always selling those pig fellows? The pink little oinking chaps in sacks. Yes, yes. Well, here's a jolly wheeze. What if we sneak into one of those sacks and get ourselves sold instead? Now, that is a brilliant idea. And when we get taken home, the human will open up the sack and, ta-da, there we are. Oh, what fun. I know. But what happens to the pigs after they're taken home by the human, Cecil? Well, that's the best part. They'll give us a lovely meal. Oh, really? Yes, just a moment ago, one of the humans picked up a sack and said, I'll take this one for dinner. Okay, Ryan, are you ready for story one? I am, yeah, absolutely. Let's do it. So this is a story about someone called Siti Aisha. She's a young Indonesian woman from a small village. She leaves school at 12. By 17, she's married, and soon after, she has a child as well. Okay. Her marriage breaks down, unfortunately, and she doesn't know what to do. Eventually, she leaves the child with her parents, and she heads off to the big city to find her fortune, as so many young women in the past have done. Yeah, sure. She finds herself in the Malaysian capital of Kuala Lumpur. There, she crosses paths with a man claiming to be Japanese, who calls himself James, and he tells Siti, 
quality, she has star quality. <laughs> I don't trust James. <laughs> it's not great, is it? Uh, he tells her he can make her famous. Pete, you've spent time living in Japan. Do you meet many Japanese men called James? Um, not any. <laughs> <laughs> Now, he does offer her a job. The job is for a prank show on YouTube. He says if he, she does the things he wants her to do for the show, he'll film it, and each time he'll give her $100. Okay. Right? She agrees. $100 is $100, right? It's yeah. not to be sniffed at. So she, she agrees to do the first job, and this is what she's asked to do. She's, she's given uh, some kind of baby oil, kind of liquid like that, uh, and she said, can you get that on your hands, walk up to random men in the mall, smear baby oil on their faces, and then go, oh, sorry, and walk away. Right. That's the prank. <laughs> and this is in Kuala Lumpur. This is in Kuala Lumpur, yeah. Okay. Th that's the prank. That's the prank. Smear baby oil on people. Yes. Yes, that is the prank. It's I'm... just a prank, bro. It's, it's not the most hilarious prank I've ever heard, but she does it. He films okay. it and uh, he imagine, gives her $100. Just imagine you're in a mall and some rando comes up to you and smears something. You don't know what it is. And it's like slippery, slimy <laughs> oil on your... I mean, that's it. I'd be expecting my face to melt off within seconds. I think there's a reason they only let young, attractive women do it, because I, <laughs> I think they're less likely to get swung at by someone. <laughs> I'm not sure I'd be keen, I have to admit. No. Now, over a few weeks, she does... A a few more of these pranks same thing rubbing this liquid on people's faces she does it in the mall sometimes she does it in Kuala Lumpur airport and each time it's the same smear some liquid on the guy's face and walk away hundred dollars in the bag good stuff okay so she, she figures she's got to be doing pretty well now because she's actually flown to Cambodia to meet another producer called Mr. Chang right so she continues to do jobs for him similar things in Phnom Penh and Kuala Lumpur and he is pleased good and so in fact he comes to her one day and says I've got a job for you that is going to make you famous great this job is slightly different, similar but slightly different. Whip your clothes off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, there, there is a case to be made that uh, the work she was doing prior to joining the prank show was ah. sauna-based, put it that way. Okay, <laughs> right. So this job is slightly different. Instead of a random person, they go, we're going to do someone in particular now. But here's the thing. It's, he's a big boss in the company, I guess, yeah. the production company. He might not find it so funny. So when you've done it, just get away pretty quick. Just don't hang around. Okay. So then the day comes, the big career-making job. The job that's going to make her famous. It's the 13th of February, 2017. City meets Mr. Chang in Kuala Lumpur Airport. He pours some liquid onto her hands from a hotel shampoo bottle. Yeah. yeah. It's the same prank as before. Just rub the liquid on it. What a laugh. Yeah, hilarious. So she walks up to the man and just as uh, she's about to reach him, another woman closes in and rubs liquid into his eyes. She has been told about this. There's going to be a second actress who's also going to do the prank. So okay. the first actress gets there first, rubs liquid on him. She rubs liquid into his eyes and walks off in exactly the same way. So she rushes off. Off, washes the liquid off her hand, goes for a bit of shopping and heads back to her hotel. So that's the story, Ryan. Do you think that one rather peculiar job led to City becoming famous? Well, yeah, because you're telling me about her. Okay, so I want you to open your first pig in a poke. Okay. Okay. Yes, City becomes somewhat famous after this job. Excellent. I was right. Well, here's a second pig in a poke for you. Uh, okay. It's tough to open these, mate. Mm -hmm. Right. It says... But she wasn't working for a prank show. I want to know what the liquid, what she was putting on these boys, because that seems important somehow. Ah, well, you're going to need this third pig in a poke then. Okay, it says, the liquid that was on her hands is called Venomous Agent X. It is a fast acting and deadly nerve agent. Hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> the man she smeared with the liquid was a man whose passport named him as Kim Chol, a North Korean citizen. He was dead 20 minutes after she touched him. 
This is a less funny prank. <laughs> she thought she was getting a job as a prank show host. Instead, she was hired as a killer. Wow. <laughs> How is that for a turn of events? That's awful. Yeah, she thought she was going on to good things, but uh, she did become famous. They weren't uh, wrong about that. No, that is true. I still don't understand. Is she a pig in a poke or not? She got a pig in a poke. She thought she was getting a famous ah. prank show job. She got arrested for murdering someone. Yeah, that is true. So it's actually believed that Mr. Chang and Japanese James, as we can call him, uh, were actually both agents of the North Korean government. Oh, really? And okay. they wanted Kim Chol dead. Important fact, the North Korea government denies any involvement in the death of Kim Chol. Grim, huh? Yeah. Still, there you go. That's your first pig in a poke, Ryan. Well, smoky bacon. <laughs> okay, so that's it then. We position a sniper on the rooftop of the building to the north of the terminal, and the getaway van will be in position by the exit, engine on, ready to go. Everyone agreed? Well, I... Oh, just, yes, Johnson. Well, it's just, you know, it's, it's all a bit... Passe, isn't it? Passe? It's been done. The sniper, the rooftop, the van, it's all just stale, unoriginal. It's effective. Sure, yeah, it's effective. But is that all we're trying to achieve here? Doesn't anyone here care about the craft? Well, we all care about our jobs, Johnson. But don't you think we can do so much more? Something brilliant, original. Oh, and you have something in mind, do you? Oh, I've got loads of ideas, yeah. Well, I mean, we could fill a hot air balloon with deadly mustard gas and, and float it into the target's apartment, towed by a trained carrier pigeon. Well, first of all, you're not going to be able to... Or, or, no, hear me out. we got a couple of agents, right? They start a small elevator repair company. They go into the target's apartment building. They rig the elevator floor with a hidden trap door. Then when the target steps in, it's the quick way down. Well, once again, there are a number of reasons why Look, that will wait, be... Wait, I've, I've got another one. We create a fake prank show, then hire a couple of really pretty hosts, some, you know, unknowns, and get them to walk up to the target in broad daylight and rub their face with deadly poison. Doesn't this all seem a bit elaborate to you? Yes, but this way we can really get people talking. Do we want people talking? Well, of course we do. It's assassination as art. You know, it's a murder of a North Korean citizen on foreign soil, yes, but it's also a commentary on the deleterious effect of social media on the quality of entertainment in society. It is? Yeah, and it's a darn sight much more original than Sniper on a Bloody Rooftop. Johnson, is this about the Assassin of the Year Awards? No. So it doesn't bother you that you came second to that poison tip umbrella? That was a clumsy metaphor. A hack reference to climate change. No, that doesn't bother me at all. I just want to ask the question, how can we effect change in the world? Well, by killing people, mostly. that That is our job. But that's just it. it. It should be so much more than a job. It's a calling, a passion. Do you know what, Johnson? You're right. We'll execute your plan to the letter. And here, why don't we have a drink to celebrate? Right. Yeah. Oh. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs> poison. That's right, Johnson. Regular old, boring, company-issued poison. It's a commentary on the younger generation's loss of the traditional way. The loss of respect for your elders, Johnson. I thought you'd appreciate it. I do, actually. Yeah. That's pretty good. OK, 
Okay, are you ready for story two, Ryan? Yeah, bro. This is just another day working for Sony. I love it. Okay, we're in 2014 now. You, Ryan, are working for Sony Pictures. Yes! Got your dream job in the movies. I'm loving it. Okay, now, one of the films soon to come out in your movie studio is a comedy by the hilarious Seth Rogen. 40-year-old virgin, perhaps. Not that one. The plot is that two journalists on a talk show, they're trying to show that they're a serious news outfit, and they manage to arrange an interview with North Korea's Kim Jong-un. Right, okay. Then the CIA come along and say, ah, if you're going to interview him, can you assassinate him for us? Here's some venomous Agent X. (laughs) (laughs) Well, hijinks ensue, and there's some back and forth about whether Kim Jong-un is in fact a bad man or not. But in any event, by the end of the movie, Kim Jong-un, leader of North Korea, is actually killed in the film. Okay, I haven't seen this film. Oh, right. So I I did not know that. Thanks for the spoilers. (laughs) But that's worth thinking about for a moment, right? They've made a film in which a real life, sitting at that time, head of state, was portrayed as being murdered. Imagine if we made a movie now which showed the the actual American president, not a fictional one, but literally Joe Biden himself being being murdered. People would be pretty upset, wouldn't they? Yes. And then on top of that, think how responsible it is portraying journalists as agents of the CIA particularly for Jean H. Lee, who I mentioned earlier, who was a journalist living in North yeah. Korea. She was not pleased about this movie herself. Really? Okay. It was like, my rea- first reaction was great, just what I need. When you're in Pyongyang, you don't take suspicions of espionage lightly. I was very aware of every single second of every single day that I could be accused of espionage. So wow. she probably didn't find this movie nearly as funny as Seth Rogen did. Yeah. And, and it, had actually, it had actually happened. Journalists in 2009, Laura Ling and Yudin Lee, were arrested by North Korean authorities in what is believed to have been a move to put pressure on the American president, Bill Clinton, at that time to have a meeting with him. Yeah. So they were just pawns, really. So this was not a great uh, moment for journalists in North Korea. Foreign journalists. Foreign journalists, yeah. Yeah. So let's also consider that in North Korea, no one's even allowed to portray Kim Jong-un, let alone have him killed off. You can't even pretend to be him on telly. So it's fair to say that the powers that be in North Korea, not big fans of the movie. (laughs) Yeah. But uh, North Korea goes a, a step or two further than leaving a bad review on Rotten Tomatoes. They send a letter to the United Nations. They describe the film and the United States government allowing of it as, quote, undisguised sponsoring of terrorism as well as an act of war. You can see why they might say that. Well, yeah, I mean, what was about to come is not great, but the more I thought about it, the more I thought that's not a cool movie to make. All you had to do was make it not a real leader, perhaps even not a real country, and you'd still have a decent movie, presumably. I mean, the one that springs to my mind is Team America, you know, the puppet movie that was made uh, by the South Park guys, and that included real world leaders being killed. Oh, yeah. But because they're puppets, that makes it different, maybe? Slightly, yeah. Anyway, you, Ryan, you don't need to worry about any of this. You're just a movie employee. You're just a Sony guy. That's true. I I don't. I had nothing to do with it. Now, one day, you receive an email from Nathan Gonzalez. Ah, Nate. He's looking to make a connection. He's included in the email is an Adobe Flash file. Okay. And you click on the Flash file because you want to see what he's got to say. Something about design or something like that. Yeah, yeah, okay. Click, double click, yeah. Yeah, right. Here's your first pig in a poke, Ryan. All right. I like Nate. He's a good guy. He's always sending me funny gifts. <laughs> you thought you were getting to see an Adobe Flash file. Instead, when you click on the file, nothing much seems to happen. Oh, well, that's disappointing because normally Nate's stuff is hilarious. <laughs> well, I guess that's disappointing. That's your pig in the poke, maybe. Yep. Okay, so months pass. On Monday, November the 24th, you come back into work and you turn on your computer. Well, instead of blah, 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 you get an image of a creepy skeleton and the words hacked by GOP. GOP here stands for the Guardians of Peace. And it says, we've obtained all your internal data, including your secrets and top secrets. You look to your neighbour. 
his screen has the same thing, as does their neighbours and their neighbours. Oh, really? Everyone's computer has the same message. Uh-uh-uh, you didn't say the magic word. Exactly. Do you want another pig in a poke? Have another pig in that, a poke. I didn't think that stuff happened outside of movies. Like, if you hacked somewhere, why would you leave a little calling card? Right, isn't it my next pig in a poke. For the last two months, possibly for even longer, malware released by the file that I clicked has been crawling through Sony's systems, stealing information. That doesn't sound good. No. And now, to top it all off, it has triggered a more active stage, wiping the computers and servers across Sony to cover its tracks. Sony's a Japanese company, right? Yes, it is. Interesting. Mm. It's not just computers. Phones stop working, and even the coffee shop on the lot can't take payment. No! Can't even get a cup of joe, buddy. So that's it. Sony's basically paralysed by this virus that has, Im- has invaded their systems that you, Ryan, brought into the system by clicking on that link. Just to be clear, I didn't click on that link. No, and the reason I've said you is because it's not. no one has been identified as these people clicked on things. There's still okay. some doubt as to exactly how it got in. They know there were multiple attempts to try and uh, get into the Sony systems. Yeah, it probably so. wasn't one person, right? Uh, so Sony basically unplug all their computers. They can't do anything. They start working analogue. But the hackers aren't finished. They have, in fact, collected a load of data. That's not just a lie. They start emailing reporters the hacked information, all aimed at embarrassing Sony. They leak the full salary details of a load of staff. They leak and put on the internet full movies. Brad Pitt's Fury and the movie Annie get just leaked online. Wow. Uh, They release commercially sensitive information. Stars pay. They release a bunch of Sony execs' embarrassing emails. Some of them are kind of racially abusive. Some of them are just mean about stars. And they're feeding all this to the American press, which arguably in service of the North Korean government are releasing this information. Don't click on things is what I learned. I also, this I started researching this, and this is one of the first things I came across. And North Koreans have got very sophisticated online presence. And I genuinely was nervous about doing right. my research because I didn't know what I was clicking on. Right, exactly. So all in all, this story really gave me the willies. Yeah, and you're terrible at computers. No, I just don't even, I don't like them. Like really? Just, like you're, you, you tell me your password all the time. You yeah. write it down on that bit of paper. It's not that hard to Keep remember. it on Come the wall. On. Password one exclamation mark. But it gets worse, Ryan. The Guardians of Peace release a new message and it goes like this. Soon all the world will see what an awful movie Sony Pictures Entertainment has made. The world will be full of fear. Remember the 11th of September 2001. Oh. We recommend you keep yourself distant from the places at that time. Oh, that's an escalation. A huge escalation. So perhaps uh, reasonably, the film gets pulled from most cinema. Cinema doesn't want to have this potentially explosive movie in their lot. They've got other films to show. Who's going to take that risk? So it's believed, and uh, it will not surprise you to learn that uh, there's no proof, proof, proof of this, but it's there's, they're fairly confident that there's a hacking operation that's run by the North Korean government itself. These are the Guardians of Peace, also known as the Lazarus Group. Yeah, It's not just teenagers in a basement. It's a sophisticated North Korean state-run hacking operation. And some private security researchers have labelled the Lazarus Group an advanced persistent threat. Which is interesting, given what we said earlier about their lack of of internet and computer systems it's so they must have like some access to the internet and with the latest computers to be able to do this sort of stuff you've got to have the knowledge right so it's really interesting so sometimes they operate outside of north korea itself anyway okay but they also it's you could argue it's part of their military first strategy they, they spend loads of money on military things that could arguably be spent on improving their country see also their, many other countries well, indeed yeah <laughs> uh, and arguably this is an aspect of their military so they recruit yeah. from like maths 
colleges and things, uh, young people into this, these hacking operations, and they get given, obviously, things they wouldn't have access to normally. But also the Lazarus Group did uh, an attempt to steal a billion dollars from the Bank of Bangladesh that very nearly worked. And the, that is the main story of the podcast called The Lazarus Heist, which I said I'd, I'd mention, which is a mind-blowing, uh, fascinating podcast that I took uh, some of the information from here, but there was tons more in that. It's amazing. All right, well, we'll post the link on our site. Absolutely. The Lazarus Heist. Gene H. Lee is the journalist who did that podcast. So uh, it's absolutely fascinating and it's packed with just lunacy. It's amazing. Okay, so in summary, Ryan, you thought you were going to see a little Flash movie, but instead you basically crippled your company for weeks. And in the words of Sony CEO Michael Linton, they came into the house, stole everything and then burnt down the house. So and, that is your pig in a poke, Ryan. Yeah. Uh, now, Ryan, I should observe that the North Korean government denies any involvement in the hack or with the Lazarus Group. Yeah, which could be true. <laughs> <laughs> you joker. Hi. Oh, uh, hi. Who just joined the call? The answer is me, Seth Rogen. Oh, hi, Seth. Um, I hope you're doing okay. Uh, look, do you know why we've asked you to join me on this quick call? No, I wish I knew at this point, honestly. Well, okay, so it's about your latest movie, The Interview. Well, it's been a bit of a disaster, frankly. I don't know if you've Googled it recently, but it's all over the internet. I'm generally horrified to Google myself. Well, yeah, I can understand that, but you can take it from me then that we've had a lot of complaints. Some really strong requests are being made asking us to take it down. Do people ask that? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, they do. I mean, what are your thoughts about that? It's uh, one of the most acclaimed things I've ever done. Okay, look, Seth, I'm I'm just telling you that we at Sony are very seriously considering recalling the movie. You can't. Well, actually we can. No. I mean, with all the negative press and the cyber attacks on the studio servers, our only option will be to recall the film. That is, unless you can maybe do something to help us fix things. I'm not an engineer. No, Seth, we don't mean fix the hacked servers. We mean clear things up with North Korea before things get worse. Is Seth Rogen banned from North Korea? Well, I guess given the reaction, do you think Seth Rogen is banned from North Korea? I assume. Well, yeah, us too. I think everyone's kind of banned from North Korea. It's not an easy place to just go to. Well, no, but look, the point is, your new film has really ruffled some very important feathers in North Korea, so I don't think any of us are going to be welcome there anytime soon. It might be decades from now. Well, yes, exactly. It really is that serious. So look, if you just apologize to them, you know, then maybe we can all put this behind us and Sony can focus on the other movies that they're looking to release. And I also, this year, will be making another new movie. Wait, but but not about North Korea though, right? Yeah! Wait, Seth, that's not a good idea. I mean, if you think that Sony are going to be distributing it, you got another thing coming after you this. You know what? Because- For a long time I had a Toyota Highlander, and I really liked it, and then I was like, I can afford a Range Rover. And then I got one of those, and I like it much more. Oh, I see. That's a metaphor, is it? Okay, well, look, after this disaster, good luck finding another studio that will be as supportive as Sony has been. Which uh, is not saying much. Look, Seth, can we just ask you to please apologize? This is not a thing I do in, like, my normal life, so... Well, that might be, but on this occasion, I'm afraid we have to insist. Now, look, we've had our guys come up with a statement for you to send to North Korea, and it says, I, Seth Rogen, am very sorry for for my movie, and I think that Kim Jong-un is the greatest leader in the world. (laughs) I like how they worded that. This isn't funny, Seth. So are you going to say it? 
Yeah. Great. Okay. Now, the message is in draft, so is there anything else you'd like the guys to add to the message to Kim Jong-un? You're an idiot. Oh, Seth. Okay, Ryan, would you like to hear story three? I'd like you to poke my pig. This is our last story. This is the Korean leader who never was. Okay, let's do it. Okay, Kim Jong-il was the leader of North Korea and yes. son of Kim Il-sung. Yes. His eldest son was called Kim Jong-nam. Nam. Yeah. Not Kim Jong-un, you'll notice. Oh, right. What happened to him then? Well, we're about to find out. Oh. So Kim Jong-nam was the son of Kim Jong-il. In fact, his oldest son. He was born in 1971 to Kim Jong-il and a leading actress at the North Korea film studio called Song Hai Rim. She was married at the time, but not to Kim Jong-il. Whoa. (laughs) Okay. But they do get married, I think, and uh, she has a baby. Uh, Now, Kim Jong-il apparently really loved his son, but North Korea is, it will not surprise you to learn, a very, very socially conservative place. Yeah. So Kim Jong-il wanted to keep his son a secret, basically, Mm. particularly from his grandfather, who was very traditional. So instead of being paraded around as the next generation, he was hidden away. He was homeschooled by his aunt. He was kept in a very grand household, but it was kind of a gilded cage. Yeah. After a while in Pyongyang, spending that time with his mother's relatives, he was then packed away to Moscow when he was eight years old. I'm surprised we hear about him at all. It sounds like the kind of kid that you would just keep very quiet and no one knows about. If you were living in North Korea, you probably don't know he exists even today. Ah. So this Moscow trip started in international education. He moved between Russia and Switzerland particularly, so he spent a lot of time in very fancy Swiss private schools. Mm. At the age of 18, though, he returns to Pyongyang. Now, it wasn't quite the family reunion he was hoping for because whilst he'd been away, his father Kim Jong-il had met a dancer. So Mm. I guess he's moved on from actresses and he'd fallen in love again and he had another son called Kim Jong-un. Okay. But Kim Jong-nam was still the oldest son and as such, potentially a contender for the leadership, possibly. We've already seen it pass from Kim to Kim, so why not Mm. down to the next Kim as well? In fact, in 1998, he was appointed to a senior job in the Ministry of Public Security. So maybe this is a sign that he's being groomed as a future leader yeah maybe he's just been given a job by his dad as a nepo baby i'm not sure but nam himself was a bit of a troublemaker he was a bit of a playboy he'd had a european education to some extent he'd grown outside the constraints of north korea he liked drinking fine booze he liked driving fast cars he liked nice ladies Mm. dancers Uh, and actresses yeah exactly but uh he did have one vice worse than all of these heroin can you guess what it might be bacon it was disney do you know what? In a world of a billion guesses, <laughs> Disney would not have been top of my list. So what happened was this. In 2001, a man is arrested in Narita Airport in Tokyo and his passport said he was Pang Zhong from Dominica. He wasn't Pang Zhong from Dominica. The passports were fake. Ah. On his arrest, he told Japanese police, I am Kim Jong-nam, the son of the leader of the North Korean government. I guess, I mean, he has to, right? So he'll come out eventually if he doesn't. Well, yeah, maybe. The, the, uh, the, the, essentially, the son of the leader of North Korea had been caught sneaking out on a trip to Disneyland Tokyo. <laughs> <laughs> so I think it, it's hard to imagine a place more <laughs> opposite the values of North Korea than Disneyland. Very American, very capitalist, and consequently incredibly embarrassing to the regime oh my God, that yeah. his son has gone to visit Disney like this. You all right there, mate? Yeah, yeah. You uh, you after anything? Yeah, yeah. What you got? Oh, I've got whatever you need, my friend. I've got uppers, I've got downers, I've got some blues, blacks, whites, I've got resin, rock, I've got powder. 
whatever you're after. You, uh, you got any Donald Duck? What? No, man, that stuff's not for you. Come on, man, I just want to get goofy. You know what that stuff does to you? Yeah, look, it's all right, I just want to go to Pluto. No, I want to take the Mickey. Move along, mate. Just a mini then. I said no. Give me a line of Snow White. I said no. Handful of Mary Poppins? Look, all right, listen, do you want to go totally Dumbo? Yeah. Full Bambi on ice. That's it. All right, all right then. Why don't you try a little bit of this? Yeah, well, what's this? They call it Song of the South. Oh, blimey, mate. I don't want to go that far. Now, observers frequently, and by frequently, I mean in everything I read, often point to this as a single incident that mar- that marked his fall from grace, right? His well, yeah, disappearance. Yeah, that's going to go against you in the interview. Yeah, but that for me feels like a lot to attribute to just one event. So you could say that possibly Kim Jong-un's supporters, in particular his mother, which is kind of Kim Jong-nam's wicked stepmother, if you like, mm. probably undermining him in various ways. But uh, okay. this was one very public example of him failing. And the net result was that Kim Jong-nam falls out of favour. No longer looks like he could be the next ruler. That role now falls to Kim Jong-un who, amongst other things, seems a bit more at home with the business of doing government Mm -hmm. uh, particularly the executing people part, which Nam had never really taken to. Well, it takes a certain type, doesn't it? It does. Not not the Disney type. Not the Disney, well quite so. You don't see that in Disney. (laughs) The worst part of this whole thing is he didn't get to go Disneyland. No, he didn't. (laughs) But the good news is for him, he starts a life outside North Korea, so he's kind of in exile really. He lives in the Chinese city of Macau which Mm. is a hotbed of gambling, if you know it's a pretty exciting place. You could just kind of the Vegas of the East, you might say. It's much bigger than Vegas, actually. Really right up his alley. Probably beats an evening in Pyongyang. So then what did he do in his exile? What was he up to? Now, there's a bunch of theories here. And this is from another podcast that I listened to, which was called Big Brother. There's a theory that he was using a network of online casinos that he set up to launder money for the North Korean state. So actually, he was not in exile at all, but busily ah, laundering money. That's clever. There's a theory that he had, in fact, been totally cut off from North Korea and had, in fact, been making contact with the CIA. Oh, this is cool. There's another theory that he was actually in danger of becoming something of a pro-reform voice for North Korea. He had interviews with a Japanese journalist called Yoji Gomi in which he called for economic and political reform in the country. This is fascinating. This is like fog of war, isn't it? So much information you you can't see what's what. And it's really not clear. All of those could be true. None of them. It's an absolute James Bond thriller of a story. Yeah. So yeah, was he a reformist that's going to really upset the, the North Korean government. The truth is we don't know. We don't know what he was doing for sure. It's just another mystery in this never-ending list of mysteries that surround North Korea in general, mm. but Kim Jong-nam in particular. But it does give us one last pig in a poke to think about. Okay, Peter, next pig in a poke says this. At the start of the episode, we heard about the death of a man in Kuala Lumpur airport. You thought he was called Kim Chol, North Korean citizen. He was not Kim Chol. He was, in fact... Kim Jong-nam, half-brother of Kim Jong-un. What? What? For real. For real. They killed his son. Yep. Wow. And I want to just give you one last pig in a poke. This That was a good pig in a poke because I <laughs> thought it was just some random dude, but it was not a random it was dude. Not a random dude at all. All right. Next pig in a poke. At the time of his death, in his backpack were a dozen vials of an antidote to venomous Agent X. What? So he was expecting it. 
I guess so. But he didn't use it either. So I don't know whether he was it so be, confused yeah, that quick he acting, just right? couldn't get to it. But yeah, so basically it seems that Boulder's Brass, a North Korean government, assassinates not just a North Korean citizen, but the son of the head of North Korea. The mysterious men believed to be North Korean agents were spirited away. They reappeared in Pyongyang, having been whipped around in a, a route through various different countries that I think the people believe were designed to men, mean they were never in a place that would extradite them. Oh, okay. The two women who claim to have no idea about the prank show were released eventually. Charges against City were completely dropped. The other woman was, she actually pleaded guilty to a charge of voluntary causing hurt by dangerous weapons or means. And she was sentenced to three years and four months in prison, but she was released after one year. But no North Koreans were ever charged with involvement in the affair. How did she not get it, though, when she was rubbing it on her hand on his face? So there's two theories about that. One is it wasn't on her hands for long enough. Okay. There's a second theory that there is a version of it, which it comes in two parts, which is why there was two of them. So combined, they created the venomous Agent X and that she was quick to get off what was on her hands afterwards meant that she didn't die. But yeah, it's not it's not super clear. It's not fully known. But in fact, there's another twist to it, which is the, there was a good chance that the whole affair would never have been known about at all. The main reason it was known about is the authorities in Malaysia made a mistake. When they got the documentation about this dead guy, they accidentally sent all the information to the embassy of South Korea, who went, holy crap, we no know who that way. is. <laughs> and they went, uh, guys, I think I think you might want to look more closely at this. And they were the ones who flagged that there wasn't everything it seemed. Otherwise, it might have just gone, I mean, not entirely unnoticed, obviously, but that that scale of it might have passed by. Now, I do have to add one thing is the North Korean government do deny any involvement <laughs> in the death of King Jong-nam. And they even deny that the body in Kuala Lumpur was King Jong-nam. They deny everything about it. Uh, yeah. So they're going to say, no, 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 no. But that is from a podcast called The Big Brother, North Korea's Forgotten Prince. It's all about the life and death of King Jong-nam, which is bonkers. It's a real ride. I, I've scratched the surface of it for this episode. I, I highly recommend it. Links in the episode notes. But uh, in the case of these podcasts, Ryan, I can assure you, you'll definitely not be getting a pig in a poke. That's very good. That's good, how I ended, good Yeah, it's a good way it went. Yeah. <laughs> I was expecting more of a pig-based pun. Um, I won't tell you any porkies. You swine. I've got nothing. <laughs> so there it is, Ryan. Pig in a poke, North Korea, just the other day. But I think we should turn, Ryan, to Derslation for your next episode. Yeah, okay. Let's wheel her out. Okay, and I'm going to turn it on, and it's ready. Here we go. So, Ryan, your place is North America. Oh, that's good. That is good. There's lots of it, and it's well documented. Right. So, yeah, give us a time period. Okay, here we go. Your time period is 10,000 BCE. Oh. (laughs) Okay, right. That's... That's a long time ago. That went from good to tricky pretty quickly, didn't it? <laughs> okay. Okay. And a topic? And the topic. What Please the topic? don't be sport. Your topic is... Easy does it. Easy does it. Easy does it. Okay. So easy does it in North America, 10,000 BCE. That's the one. I'm on it. Piece of cake. Let's do it. I'm excited. Let's caveman this up. It's, a, it's early man. Early man, finally. <laughs> <laughs>
Okay, well, look, there you go. That is the show for this week. Thank you all for listening. If you'd like to get in touch about any of the things that we've talked about on the show, or just to say hello, you can reach out to us, of course, through our website at hhepodcast.com or by email at Pete and Ryan at hhepodcast.com. Please don't email us anything with links in. We would, though, love to hear from you. And you never know, you might end up featured on a future show unless you're a member of the North Korean security apparatus. If you're on TikTok, Instagram, Facebook or Twitter, you can find us at HHE Podcast. And if you subscribe to those, you'll get an alert every time we post extra content. We do facts we didn't use, photos from the show and other bits and pieces. That's right. And we're going to be back again soon with The Verdict. But until then, a huge thanks to you, Peter. Thanks to you, Ryan. And that's it. I guess all that's left to say is you've been listening to... History happened everywhere. Hey, Ryan. Hey, Pete. Oh, what are you doing? Oh, I'm just trying to fix the doors later. Oh, gosh, what happened? Well, I'm not sure, but I think we might have been hacked by the North Korean government. Really? Yeah, and they've compromised the randomization. Wow, what makes you say that? Well, when I turn it on, it makes this noise. Listen. Oh, okay. Yeah, and look, when I press the buttons... The place is... The Democratic People's Republic of Korea. Yeah, and when I select the time... Ah, uh, since the birth of Kim Il-sung. Right. And the topic? The greatness of the beloved Kim dynasty. Oh, I see. And it's like that every time, is it? Yeah, every single time. So I'm just trying to fix it. Or... Or what? Well, what if, and I'm just spitballing here, we, we just left it as is and just maybe made a North Korean podcast? But you said they don't have freedom of information. Well, exactly. Our state-approved podcast will be the only game in town. We'd finally have listeners. Yes, they'd have to listen to us. You really think we could get more listeners? Loads more. There's 25 million people living in North Korea, Ryan, and they have to do what they're told. Well, that's it. I'm sold. Ah, Ryan, what are you doing? Taking my blue jeans off. Not allowed these in North Korea. I'm going to record the show in my underwear. For an audio podcast? Well, I can't take any chances, Pete. If we're doing a North Korean podcast, then... Well, then I'm going to have to do it in my boxers. Oh, oh, well, oh. In that case, now I've had a moment to think about it, I think... This is anti-democratic madness and I won't stand for it. Are you sure? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We have to have our principles, Ryan. Well, shall I go ahead and fix the dozer later, then? Yeah. Booyah! North Korea. <laughs>